Well, good morning, men. Uh, here we are in the middle of June. Everybody's excited to be here. Uh, beautiful day outside. My goodness, sun was, I was telling Wade, the sun's up by 6 o'clock. Jeez, we should be getting up a lot earlier than we are. Um, it's, a, it's a great day to be alive. Well, as we jump in this morning, uh, I want to thank Charlie for filling in last week as we were at camp. Uh, we just had a wonderful time at camp. Uh, we took more kids than we've ever taken uh, to camp. This church alone almost doubled. And then we took 27, I believe, volunteers from this church. So that's adults. That's a lot of, lot of people that raise their hands, said, I'll go and lead a small group or whatever it takes. And so what a blessing that was. And uh, it was just a, a blessing to get to do the Lord's work. And we get started. I'm going to jump back in here. This one's called The Spirit World Part 2. And uh, uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, we're glad to be here this morning. Father, this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, as we do those very things, Father, we know that your word speaks to us your truth, your direction, not just for this day, but for a life and an eternity. So Father, may the eternal message be sown deeply within us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You know, one of the, the, the greatest fears that man has is the fear of being alone. And if you've ever experienced the fear of being, being alone, uh, you you know what that is, but one of the times that I see people mostly experiencing the fear of being alone, any of you have any idea when this happens? At death, right, right prior to death or anything like that, people really have a fear. They gain a fear of being alone, and and uh, and that's a that's a legitimate fear. And when you're standing by someone's bedside and they're saying, "Hey, I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to die," and I feel like that you know I may not come through this surgery or I may not be able to, to pull through until tomorrow. The doc doctors had given me some pretty morbid information. That fear is real. That fear is huge. Uh, that fear of being alone is, uh, and death is one of those times when we have to do it alone. Um, there's just no way to put about it that we actually, it's like a birthing process that, that we ourselves close our eyes in this life and open them in the next. And that, that can be kind of fearful to even think of it in that way. But God came and Jesus came so that we wouldn't have to fear being alone. And I've seen both and. I've seen the those that are very fearful before death. And you may say, well, they don't know Jesus. That's why they're afraid. No, they know Jesus. They just know this. They're about to go through a process where this body is no longer. And so uh, that's a legitimate, real fear out there. And then I've seen some that are saying, you know, this body, it's time for a new one. And so uh, they're, they're excited about the opportunity to close their eyes here and open them uh, with Jesus. I want you to know something today that according to Scripture, that we are never alone. And the Holy Spirit, when, when Jesus said, it's better that I leave for if I stay, right, the helper will not come. So Jesus tells us that he's sending this helper, and this helper can be anywhere, everywhere, at all times. This is because God is omnipresent, and he is always with us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. So that's the big idea today, is that you are not alone, that God is always with us. In the power of the Holy Spirit, God is always with us. So a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned and, and uh, talked about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. That's where most people would like to stay simply because it's safe. I can read the scriptures. I can quote the scriptures and I'm going to keep, um, God confined 
in that area. Uh, I even recently, I mean very recently, had a discussion with a person who uh, determined that they were going to leave the church simply for this reason, because uh, we, we, are, we believe in the three ways that God speaks, through the Logos, through the Graphe, and through the Rhema. Those three words of God we, we embrace, and because of that, um, it can't be controlled. And that's difficult at times because what do we want to do? We want to have our life in control. And it's interesting to me that God is a God of order, not a God of disorder. So I trust that his word, when it's spoken, is eternal and that it's true and that we should, should want to embrace his word, right? And so it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Bible, though that is the word of God. That's the graphy, okay? That's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a way that he speaks to us, and all three of these ways should line up one with another. So we talked about the age of the Spirit a couple of weeks ago. We talked about John 4, 24, God is Spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That's an interesting statement by Jesus himself. This is when he's speaking to the woman at the well. Those who would worship God would worship him in spirit and in truth, meaning that, yeah, there's, there's truth that we read. There are the scriptures. We know that Jesus is the fulfillment of those scriptures. And yet at the same time, the Spirit still speaks. The Spirit still speaks. God is not quiet. And God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? So here are some truths about God being with us. When we say we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we actually mean that we have a personal relationship with God through the activity of the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus, right? And we believe that he was the sacrificial lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. No doubt. But we are secured in that belief through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us have have physically sat down in the presence of man, in the presence of the man Jesus Christ. Uh, You may feel like you're sitting next to him right now. But uh, that's not Jesus. That's Jesus in the man, right? And, And so we know this through the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of his promise not to leave us as orphans. And so we see this in Paul's writings. What does Paul say? We cry out to the Heavenly Father through the Spirit of God, right? Abba, Daddy. And so what we see is the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of his promise not to leave us as orphans. In other words, when Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father, he sent who? The Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells among us. So God is with us. That very term, Emmanuel, God is with us. That claim that God is here, that he is everywhere all the time, sometimes creates the tension within us. You mean he's here? I can't see him. Show him to me. Oh, you serve the unseen God. You're one of those. Uh, I've actually had a, had a woman one time of one of the most peculiar places. I was watching my kids play on vacation, and we were sitting at the park, and she was walk, watching her grandkids. Um, she had a lot to say about the unseen God, my unseen God, right, because I was a pastor. She also had a lot to say about Obamacare, but anyway... Um, <laughs> That's true. We, we she got in a discussion over that as well. She, uh, so where was God? You may ask the question, where was God? If he's everywhere all the time, where was God when my loved one died? Where was God when I lost my job? Where is God when children die of hunger, when diseases mangle people, when warlords steal children, when immorality runs rampant, and the voice of hatred is the voice that I hear all the time? 
So you may ask the question, where is God? The truth in Psalm 139, verse 4 says, Behold, I, Lord, or behold, O Lord, you know it all. And so the psalmist says, God, you know about all these things that are taking place. In verse 7, he goes on to say, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I take the, take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. So God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. There is no place that God does not exist. You may not see him, but you may be looking through the wrong lens, the lens of unbelief. I, I say this uh, at times. Um, you know, there's been a couple of times I've taught on hell that God is still the God of hell. He is omnipresent. Hell exists simply because he allows it to. And you may say, well, what kind of God do we serve if he allows that to happen? We serve a good God, but he's an omnipresent God. He is everywhere. Peter says it this way. He says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith that, sal that salvation of your souls. It's the salvation that holds us through our faith in God. And yet oftentimes we do not see him outside of one another. If I ask you today, where do you see God most at work? Most of you would give me a name. You're not going to say, well, you know, my Ford runs so much better than my Chevy did. I see God at work in my Ford, right? You're not going to say that. You're going to, you're going to put a name with God, right? Because God works through us, and he works. His big spirit works with our little s, our little spirit. I was having a conversation here a while back with Chris Craig, and many of you know Chris. He's taught here uh, several times he said he had a had a uh, conversation with an unbeliever not long ago and basically the unbeliever said I've never seen God I don't believe and Chris responded you think seeing is believing I think believing is seeing Amen. did you hear that that's a pretty good statement you think you think seeing is believing I think believing is seeing Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So here's the thing. If we seek him, we what? We find him. And, and that, this, is, this is an important part. We have, uh, you know, one of the, the things two, three weeks ago, I had an evangelist come through, and the evangelist preached on Sunday morning. Now, evangelists aren't thinking about discipleship. What are they thinking about? Souls, winning souls, right? Let's, let's see if we can get some hands in the air this morning. This is what we're doing. And it takes the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist. We're told it takes all five, right, of the fivefold ministry in Ephesians. So we have an evangelist that comes through, and, man, he's really looking for those souls. He's really hoping that people will raise their hands. And, I, and I, what I love about this is that it, it, it really stresses the importance of invitation, because sometimes just a simple invitation, hey, why don't you seek him? Why don't you come seek him with me? It's the Nathaniel and the Philip story. I shared that again at camp this past week, the importance of Philip going to Nathaniel and saying, come and see whom Moses wrote about. He's here. Where is he from? From Nazareth. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Right? It's that story in John 1.43. Here's the importance of that. The importance is, is that simple invitation to seek God will help people's eyes be open to see God. Uh, 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 an invitation 
for someone to seek God will help them see God because his word is true. Those who seek me will find me. All right. One of the things about God is he is transcendent. He exists beyond the normal or physical level. God is also imminent. This means close at hand. So to be transcendent and to be imminent means that he's both here and out there because God is everywhere. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit allows us to have the opportunity to experience God and know that he is here. So if we give the opportunity to experience God, how can we provide that for someone? When I'm sorry, go ahead. Thank you, Joshua. Testimony. Testimony. Opportunity for someone to hear your story so that they too can experience God. What are some other ways that we can help God or help people experience God? Love. Um, who said that? Wade. So, Wade, give me um, an example there of showing love for people to experience God. Okay, good. Good. Regardless of where they are in life, good, bad, indifferent, we're not going at them judgmentally. We're trying to show them Christ. Okay, great. Other answers? Woo-wee. That's, that's, that's a good one right there. So uh, Joshua said they set up a meal train for one of his atheist friends at, at one time, right? And just showing the love there. Now, now I, that's where I'm wanting to go because what he's saying is I set up an atmosphere for someone to experience God. Now, men, this is very important. For people to see God, we need to set up and create atmospheres for them to experience God. Where do we do that? Everywhere we are, right? Everywhere we are. So this means that we are called to be men of excellence. Men of excellence will create atmospheres for people to experience God. And what this does, this is the difference between a preacher and a teacher versus an evangelist. I'm thinking discipleship. The evangelist is saying, hey, I just want to get them in the door, right? I'm thinking about when they get in the door, how do we create atmospheres where they can openly see God, where, where they can experience God? Church is, is an atmosphere that God has called us to, to, to create, to, to set the stage, if you will, for people to see God. But it doesn't just have to be done at church. For people to see God and to know that God is with us, then all of us men should be thinking that way. As people come over, how do we create an atmosphere where they feel the love, the presence of God? People lose loved ones. How do we create an atmosphere where even non-believers might have an experience to encounter God? If there's one good thing that comes out of death, it's this, that people are faced with their own immortality. And that, that's not a bad thing, right? It's really not. I, I, I'm serious. There was, a, there was a day and time in my life where I thought I, I could run further, I could run faster, I could go longer than anyone chasing me. That's, that's just the truth, because I like to fish illegally. <laughs> and so I would put, cam my family will testify, I would put camouflage on, and I was gone for the day. And at that age, it didn't matter if someone caught me because they couldn't catch me, because I did not get tired. I ran in army boots for years. I, I just, I did not, uh, I did not worry about the average Joe catching me. And I caught some huge fish. Now, I'm not advocating for that. I'm sure God was in that atmosphere somewhere. 
but uh, I was not seeking him, definitely. So, so what am I trying to say? That God is both transcendent, God is both here, but we are to create atmospheres for people to experience God so they too can see him. I, I think it's very important, depending upon your job, if you're a first responder, when you come up on someone and, and uh, uh, however tragic the wreck is, if you've ever been around a first responder that's just been super cool, super okay, Super, you know, people are screaming, people are in the chaos, and and they're seeing their the mortality right right there in front of them, and and uh, so they uh, you have a, a responder that brings peace to a situation, right? So he's creating an atmosphere, she's creating an atmosphere where where people can experience God. Sometimes it's simply praying before you go into a meeting. Sometimes it's praying uh, through the room and for the room. Emmaus does a real good job, right, of praying over the rooms. We used to anoint every room with oil. We used to anoint every chair with oil. Uh, you know, these kind of chairs are not real good to do that because oil leaves a stain after so long. And it looks like somebody, you know, somebody has some old matted up hair sitting there in that chair. But you got to be careful how you create that atmosphere. But we create the atmosphere for people to experience God. If you are a nominal believer or a non-believer, you could be looking through the wrong lens, as I said. Uh, Non-believers oftentimes just simply refuse to, to seek God, and so they do not find God, but it doesn't mean they can't experience God. Did you get that statement? Okay. All right, Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This scripture has always bothered me because what it says is, regardless of what we create, what God has already created, people ought to see God. The Adam that made the chair, you know, that made the stage. Um, just the very, very properties that are in the earth should help people discover that there is a God. So Romans, Paul says, hey, people are without excuse. Now you can stand before God all day long and say, I never saw you. And God's going to say, well, did you see the tree? Well, well you were fortunate enough to, to be in the 21st century. I mean, my gosh, uh, in the 21st century, you guys, you guys could break cellular level down further than it's ever been done before. And you didn't see me? Um, yeah, there's just so many, so many things that we want to give an excuse and say, God, I didn't, I didn't ever see you there. I didn't know you were in that situation, that circumstance. And yet God's, God's in everything we do. He's on the very stage that I stand on this morning. Have you ever thought we believe in photosynthesis to produce oxygen from trees? However, how does that work for West Texas? You guys are going to have to wake up. That's a great statement. <laughs> like the, the one tree you see is like this. <laughs> Maybe that's how we get our oxygen. It just blows through. I don't know. Right? You don't worry about the air you breathe. We have plenty. What about the water we drink, the birds in the sky, the sun, the moon? All of these are held together in perfect working order, sustainable. The miracle of earth, a little closer to the sun, we burn up. A little further, we freeze. Three types of people are here today. It's the nominal, the non-believer, or maybe you're a believer. Most all of us, right, are believers, but it's okay to bring a nominal 
person here. We've done it many times. Uh, that's one of the cool things about a men's group is sometimes, you know, men are actually actively seeking out there and an invitation brings them to this place. And that may be you this morning. You may be nominal or not. But if you're nominal or not, just take a look around. When you walk out of this building, pay attention. Who holds it all together? And don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes we just need to change the lens we're looking through. It's a good question to ask God, are you real? Would you reveal yourself to me? And God is faithful. He says he will not leave us as orphans. Those who seek him, find him. His spirit will identify with your spirit. So Romans chapter 10, 8 through 13, we're going to close this down. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Now that's, that's a huge thing. Uh, one of the talks given at camp uh, this past week uh, was given by uh, Eloise, and it was on disappointment. And Eloise had sent me her talk uh, a week or so ago, or I guess a little bit longer than that, and I, I looked over her talk, and I was writing the same talk for the senior high, and then I took both those talks and kind of put them together. And, and I was uh, yesterday uh, working up this message, and one of the things I realized is I missed this scripture. Missed it. How do we keep from being disappointed? Do you see it in there? Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. That's a promise. Because God is everywhere. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. And we believers, look, sometimes we question, does God know our struggles? Remember, he's omnipresent. He's omniscient, transcendent, imminent. He's not watching you go through the trial. Jesus is in it with you. His spirit will hold you up. It will encourage you and strengthen your faith. It will give you a different perspective regardless, regardless of what your situation is. Your situation may not change, but your perspective can change, right? Ask him to navigate you and your faith. Learn to activate your faith through speaking, through praying, through fasting, submitting to the spirit because the scripture tells us he is at hand, which means that he is right here always Anytime, every time. It's been about, uh, uh, I had a friend of mine that uh, I haven't seen in about 10 years get a hold of me yesterday, and we were visiting. He's been a missionary over in Africa, and it's been 12 years since I've been uh, over there uh, to Africa, 99% Islam. And, and uh, you know, I was hanging out with a team there, uh, in a Cosbaugh, and uh, the worker told us that we need to call home with our sat phone, and I told you all about this, that, that we called home because it was an extreme tribe, and they had never uh, uh, experienced Americans, much less the only experience they had with Americans is through satellite, and satellite TV were actually hooked up to car batteries, and those car batteries were ho went up to homemade satellites that were on top of these uh, dwellings, if you will. And no paved roads, none of that. It's just sandy, you know, and you're just up in the northern Sahara. But uh, anyway, this team that I was there with, um, the, the worker came in and said, everyone needs to take this sat phone, call home, get your prayer teams going. These people have never seen Americans, much less experienced Christians. Uh, they are very skewed in their thoughts about Christians. They think Britney Spears is the model 
for, Christ, for Christians. So it was kind of interesting. But here's the thing. Um, all of this team had family. A couple of them were newlyweds. Uh, there were no women there on this particular trip. I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old at the time. And uh, um, I just said, Jesus, show me that you're here. And I took my Bible and flipped it open. And John Wesley used to do this. I don't believe it's correct theology. <laughs> but sometimes you just need to know that God is there, right? And I flipped it open, and it flipped straight open to Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithful, faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And I had flipped to that, and I knew that God was where? Right here. And I was where I was supposed to be. I slept good that night. What about you? Do you know that you are not alone? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is with you. He wants you to call upon his name to rest in his shelter, men. And as we do that, we create atmospheres not only for him to move, but for others to experience his goodness, his grace, his mercy as well. Jesus, thank you for these men. Once again, Father, be a constant reminder that you are here through the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.